Hi, everyone. This is the Get In My Garden podcast, episode 64, and I'm Aaron Moskowitz. Today, we're back with William Padilla Brown, who was on the podcast last year sharing about edible algae. And today he shares about how he has set up his new Hugo culture mounds for gardening and what he is planning for his new spirulina pond. He shares some more detail about how he is successfully growing, testing, and harvesting this algae and how he eats it. Spirulina is basically one of the most nutrient-rich and protein-dense foods available used throughout history as a food source. And for those of you who haven't heard of Hugo culture, it is a very old and intelligent gardening method using wood, compost, and other layers that feed the soil food web. William is an inspirational educator and an adventurer, a talented guy interested in many things. He lives and works to create a more holistic world, and you can follow his work and life via his active Instagram account, at mycosymbiote. While you're on Instagram, you can follow this podcast and me at Get In My Garden and send me a DM to let me know what awesome things you're doing or learning that I should feature on the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen from if you like the show and sign up for the newsletter on my website, getinmygarden.com, or via the Facebook group I started called Soil Balance with Microbes, Minerals, Fungi, Fertilizers, and Bugs. It asks for your email when you first join. Welcome back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, of course. Um, how are you doing? I'm keeping busy, man. I'm, I'm loving life right now. I can't complain. Just moved into a great new spot. Yeah, I saw something that you posted about Hugo culture. Yeah, I just started one this morning. I'm going to do a couple more. Yeah, that was one of the things that I wanted to cover on my podcast, but I didn't know who I should talk about that with. So <laughs> maybe you want to tell people about it. Well, there's a couple different ways you can approach it. Almost all Hugo culture are going to have logs buried in them. Um, so you're kind of creating a mound. So some people are real technical with it. Like they'll do logs, then they'll do some leaf litter or compost, and then they'll do like chicken manure and then straw, and then they plant into it. And the idea is that the logs are like a slow release nutrient. And also as they degrade, they'll hold more moisture. So um, whenever it's not raining, the logs, the plants can wick moisture from the logs and then over the, ne- over the next couple of years that you have it, um, the logs will completely degrade, providing more nutrients for the, for the bed and for the plants. Yeah, it's very cool to look at. With, with mine that I did today, I went out in the forest behind my house and found some old degraded spongy oak log. And then I covered them in silage, um, really aged silage and uh, a lot of pigeon manure. And then I'm inoculating it with beneficial microorganisms tomorrow. So cool. Are you going to do that? Are you going to grow mushrooms in there also at some point? Um, no, um, not in the Hugo culture beds. I'm going to get a truckload of wood chips dropped off so hopefully this week. And um, I'm going to do mushrooms in between the beds uh-huh. um, just to break down the wood chips. I don't really expect much from them because the yard is south facing and it gets sun all day. But I'm going to set up some mushroom beds um, in the shady area off the side of my house. That's awesome. So uh, what what can people learn about Hugo culture? I mean, that's kind of something that's been around for a very long time. What made you want to get into it? Um, I just, I've seen incredible success with it. Um, I learned about it whenever I was taking my permaculture apprenticeship, probably when I was like 18 or 19. And uh, when I started my first serious garden, I had some huge Hugo culture mounds like I did um, I put cardboard down and I, I didn't mention, but that's what I did to make sure the grass doesn't grow through it. Uh-huh. But, um, I put cardboard down and then I put leaves 
and then I put a bunch of logs and I buried them in finished compost and then I put wood chips on top. I put so much mushroom, so many mushrooms, uh, so much mushroom spawn in there. And I got incredible flushes of the mushrooms, but only after the plants grew because the, they needed shade. So once the plants shaded them out, um, I would just get incredible flushes of mushrooms whenever it rained or whenever I would water my plants. And it's like a project that you can build with your kids or something. Yeah, yeah. My, my boy's going to be coming over tomorrow and um, we're going to make some more garden beds. Last time we talked about algae, are you still working in that? Yeah, on Thursday, my friend's coming over. Well, two of my friends are coming over. My one friend, he's really good at building. And my other friend, he uh, runs a manufacturing company that, that makes pool panels, like for, for, uh, for in-ground and above-ground pools. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get some of the materials from my friend that makes the pool panels. And uh, me and my friend Phil are going to um, build like a six-by-four spirulina pond. And then I'm going to go probably buy a solar panel or something this week to power the, uh, the pumps to agitate the spirulina. Cool. And yeah. what, what are you planning on feeding them? The spirulina? Yeah. Do you have to feed it? Yeah, you do have to feed it. Um, I, I use nutrient salts. A lot of people get weird about algae being organic and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But especially with spirulina, it's a cyanobacteria. Um, which was some of the first photosynthesizing organisms on the planet that existed before there was organic nutrients. So they're, they evolved around consuming nutrient salts. So I'm, I'm going to be feeding them nutrient salts. And how do you know what, what exactly you have there? Like, how do you make sure that it's totally safe if someone were to like, just really get eager about starting something? Well, if you want to get into spirulina, um, if you're just going to be doing it for yourself, that's one thing. But if you're going to be like feeding it to other people, um, you're going to want to have uh, basic skills with a microscope. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the reasons that spirulina is safe to begin with is because it's an extremophile. Um, it grows above 10 pH, which not many other organisms will grow, live in water that's above the pH of 10. So that makes it safe to begin with. But when you're, when you're growing it at scale and you want to be selling it to people or feeding it to people, you're going to want to be checking all your harvests um, under a microscope just to make sure there's not any other organisms in it. That makes sense. So what are some of the things that you've seen? I'm guessing you're doing it 100% right and you probably don't run into many problems, but someone who's brand new at it. When I first started, I would get this weird red algae that would grow in there sometimes, but I haven't seen that in a long time. And I honestly didn't know what it was. Now that I'm more savvy with, uh, with DNA extraction, I probably could, if I ever get anything that I don't know what it is, I could just figure it out by its DNA. But um, I've never had any like bacterial issues, just that weird red algae that would grow in there. Interesting. And it might have been like my own, I was growing multiple species of algae and one of my species does turn red, but it doesn't grow at that high of a pH. So I didn't think it was that. And the only other species I was growing that could grow at that pH was nanochloropsis. And uh, it doesn't turn red to my knowledge. Between when you harvest it, are, do you have to do some sort of process to like clean out the tank or is it something that you can harvest and keep going kind of forever? Well, when I harvest it, um, I run it through a screen. I run it through a screen that has bigger holes to collect any like bugs or debris that might have fallen in the tank. And then I run it through a screen that the algae stays, but the water runs through. Then I take that screen and I bring it in and I have a press for like apple juice that you like turn it and press it and squeeze out the juice. So I'll put the screen with the algae into the juice press and um, it'll squeeze out all the water. Oh, um, I didn't mention before I squeeze out the water, I rinse it with, with clean water, which it'll be easy here because I have 
um, reverse osmosis well water in my uh-huh. house. Um, so the water's really clean before I, I wouldn't, I would have to like go buy distilled water or something because, or just use the, I had a Berkey filter. That's what I did. I used to filter water because the chlorine in the tap water will kill the algae and you want to keep it alive. So you want to rinse it to make sure that you rinse off the salts that might still be in there. You don't want to have any nutrient salt in your finished product. Um, so you rinse it, then you press it. And then from there you can eat it fresh. It'll last in the fridge for like six, seven days, but I'll usually just pack it into like freezer bags and then put it in the freezer and break it, break it off whenever I want some. So how do you eat it? Is it, you're not dehydrating it in any way, right? No. Um, I, I just put it in like smoothies or throw it in like some yogurt or, I mean, I mostly just do smoothies. Um, sometimes I'll put it in my kids like oatmeal or something. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Later this month, we will be back with William Padilla Brown learning more about mycology and his upcoming projects. Next week, we will learn more about market garden strategy with Steve Abbott. You can follow this podcast and me at Get In My Garden on Instagram and send me a DM to let me know what awesome things you're doing and what things you're learning about so that I can feature them on the podcast. Please subscribe wherever you listen from. And if you like the show, you can sign up for the newsletter on my website, getinmygarden.com, or via the Facebook group I started called Soil Balance with Microbes, Minerals, Fungi, Fertilizers, and Bugs. It asks for your email when you first join. And I'll be sending out information about the podcast, uh, specials, supplemental content from my guests, and many other awesome things.